Amen. Hey, uh, this is great. I want to talk to you about the prosperity of Jesus. Isn't that great? The prosperity of Jesus. You don't hear people, they talk about prosperity, but they don't talk about the prosperity of Jesus very much, you know? But that's because we don't think about the prosperity of Jesus very much because it's not quite as, um, it's scary in a way. But let's let's make a couple of points here. Um, if you go to John 12, these will be, we'll, we'll, we'll go through these fairly quickly. Thank you, Lord. John 12, verse 6. I'm hearing you turning. Some of you, I'm sure, are scrolling. Um. This is when uh, Judas Iscariot said there in verse 4, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? And then, you know, John tells us, he said, He said this not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and he had the money box and he used to take what was in it. How about that? So what are we saying here? That Jesus' ministry had some money. Okay. Right, they had enough they had a treasure. Well, I don't know, Luke noticed. I think they all just let him get by with it. Really? I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? When you think about it. He didn't say this because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief <laughs> and had the money bag and he kept what was put in it and he used to take it. Um so I just wanted to, to set that up so we could see that Jesus, Jesus. a lot of people, we grew up, and we, you know, that Jesus was so broke, you know, he, it just, it's really not evident throughout the Bible. I'm not saying that he was the wealthiest guy in the whole area either, because, you know, we don't, we don't have any indication that he was. But he certainly paid his bills and made his way and was able to pay for the guys that were with him and support their families and do the things he had to do. Um, and, and, you know... Matthew 27 tells us that they cast lots. Matthew 27:35 tells us that when he was on the cross, they cast lots for his clothing. Now, you know, I don't know many ragamuffin things that you'd want to cast lots for. <laughs> you know, I mean, if somebody has a nice suit, then maybe, you know. So I don't think, again, we have this indication that he wore tattered clothing like John the Baptist or, you know, a practically burlap with a, with a leather girdle. I mean, that's not what we get at all in truth from what we see in the Bible. Um, again, not making him out to be uh, the wealthiest man, no Joseph of Arimathea or anything, you know, but um, he had money. And I think it's important to understand he had money because a lot of people have been told that Jesus was broke and just couldn't, could barely make it in terms of money, and that's really not what we see. Um, I'm going to go to Matthew 26, 17. And it says, on the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying to him, where do you want us to prepare for you to eat Passover? Um, and this is interesting because they had to go buy an animal and all the fixings to go with it. And they had to slaughter the animal and get ready to, to make it so, he could, so they and he could keep Passover. Now, what were they going to do to buy this animal? They're going to use money. So they had to have money. And when you think about there are 12 of them and him, it's a pretty big feast. If you think about that there's wine there, there's bread there, there's an animal that's been slaughtered and cooked, you know. And they did all this themselves. They didn't trust this to anybody because being Jewish, it had to be, it had to be clean. And they wanted to make sure for him that it was, you know. So again, 
the only alternative, because we don't have information, somebody donated it, they were going to buy it. They were going to buy it. Um, and, and, and so it's, it's really interesting that he and his employees and everybody ate it. John thirteen twenty nine says this. And um, I, I want you to see that not only did... People don't tend to think of Jesus uh, giving... But there's, there's, there's kind of information that leads us to believe he probably did. Um, now, this is when Jesus talks about that Judas is the one that's going to turn him over when they're at the Lord at the Last Supper. But there's an interesting piece of information. If you look at verse 26, there it says, um, "They asked him who it was that would do it, and he said, "It's he to whom I shall give this piece of bread whom, that I've, when I've dipped it." And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot. Now, after the piece of bread, Satan entered Judas. And Jesus said to him, what you do, do quickly. But no one at the table knew for what reason he said it to Judas. Now, they all heard him say, what you're going to do, do it quickly. But nobody apparently was clever enough to figure out what he was talking about. And look at verse 28. No one at the table knew what the reason he said this to him. Verse 29. For some thought, because Judas had the money box, that Jesus had said to him, buy those things we need for the feast. Okay. Obviously, they were prepared and thought and had done before in previous Passovers. They would buy what they need for all of them, right? And then look at the other part. Or that he should give something from the money box to the poor. So they obviously expected from time to time that Jesus would direct him to give to the poor. So again, we're not seeing a man that was absolutely broke, couldn't afford to give to anybody, couldn't afford to buy food for 12 people day in and day out. We're we're not seeing that. We're seeing the opposite of that, actually. We're seeing somebody that had decent clothes, had decent means, had decent financial, probably like a lot of people in this room, maybe. You know? And I don't think that's the way it's been presented. Over the years, I think it's been presented as he's, you know, Jesus said, I have no place to lay my head, but he wasn't saying he couldn't have had one. He was saying, the point for me is not to have one. I only got three years, man. I don't need to buy an estate, you know. In three years, it's all going down. I'm not leaving anybody to leave anything to. I'm leaving my spiritual heritage to the believers, and that's it. So it was more of a reason you don't want to follow me because... My lifestyle is not the lifestyle you're called to. It's not that he was saying, I can't, I can't even find, buy a tent if I had to, you know. So I, I just want to make sure we make that point. Now, that being said, let's look at some of the examples of the prosperity of Jesus. Because, you know, I'd like to, for us to perhaps make the case this is the prosperity that we have. John 1, John 1, uh, verse 6. John 1, verse 6. Look at it. And that is not the right one. <laughs> I can tell you right now. Let me try to figure it out here. Well, I'll tell you what. We'll come back to it. Um, let me, let's go to the next one. Matthew 14, 15 through 21. Matthew 14, 15 through 21. All right. All right, this is the feeding of the 5,000. Now, this is the prosperity of Jesus, perhaps the prosperity of the church. When it was evening, verse 15, when it was evening, disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place. It's already late. 
Now remember, his disciples came to him, saying, We're in a deserted place, the hour is late. Send the multitudes away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. Alright? Everybody with me? What's he say? They don't need to depart. You give them something to eat. Right? You seeing this? They don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, We have here only five loaves and two fish. Well, what can we pull from this? There were villages. Money could have bought food. Right? Send them into the villages that they may go and buy themselves something to eat. Right? So there were villages. Money could have bought food. And then he said, We don't need to do that, though. You give them something to eat. Now, I want to make sure we understand that point. Jesus looks at his helpers and says, you feed them. Obviously, he's not talking about using money. Obviously, he's not talking about with just five loaves and two fish. Right? What's he explaining to me? There's prosperity in the kingdom of God for those who know how to use it. Do you believe? He's encouraging me to see how the kingdom of God works. He's encouraging them, and by word, he's encouraging me. He's saying, you do it. Now think about how, how he talks. What does he say? All things are possible to him who believes, right? So what does he do? He gives you a shot at believing. What does Peter, I mean, think about Peter in the water. What does he say? Lord, that I may walk to you. Come. And he does, right? So what would have happened if one of them said, okay, and just started taking the bread and breaking it? The kingdom of heaven would have multiplied. You see, it's not, and I was talking with uh, Tony before. We were, the reason we have to understand Jesus operated as a man, ministered as a man, that his, his, his assignment on earth was as a man is because we understand if it's as a man with the kingdom of God working through him, then another man born again with the kingdom of God working through him could do the same thing. Now, if that were not true and I'm preaching the wrong thing, it would be wrong for Jesus to look at them and say, you feed them because they absolutely couldn't. That'd be the craziest thing in the world. He would have to say, oh, I must, you can't, I'm here as God, I can multiply it where we don't have it, right? Obviously, that's not what he says, though. Instead, he says, can you believe? Can you believe? Can you believe in the prosperity of the kingdom of God? Can you believe? You feed them. I don't have to do it. You do it. Are you you? Yes, you are. If you're born again, you are you, right? We are we and you are you, and he is he. He's the head, and we're the body, and the head's telling us what? You can do this, right? Does that make sense? They said to him, we have here only, only, only five loaves and two fish. He said, bring them here to me. And you know the story. The prosperity of Jesus is that he's close to the Father, and the kingdom of God is always with him, right? Right? And so what does that mean? You let somebody like Judas steal the money because you, you're never going to see evidence that Jesus, I mean, think about it. The only time he touched money, he picked up a piece of it and looked at a guy and said, whose face is on this? Then give it to him. <laughs> it's kind of like what he did, you know? Isn't it? Whose face is on this? Give to him what's his. 
give to God what's God's. They're not the same. If Judas carried the money and he sent other people to buy and fix the Passover, think about all these things. How often do you think he touched money? We don't have any evidence he ever did other than that one time to, to explain. Isn't that interesting? He had it. His ministry had it. They used it. But it didn't have him, did it? It certainly didn't have him. Matthew 15, 32. Again, kind of the same story, feeding the 4,000. Jesus called his disciples to himself and said, I have compassion on the multitude. I don't know if we've thought about this a lot, but just listen to it for a second. I have compassion on this multitude. Think about it. You all know, and we all tend to remember that he had compassion on them because they were probably hungry, but do you realize they had been fasting, walking behind him in the wilderness for three days? They had been fasting, walking with him for three days. This group had been staying with Jesus for three days. I've I've compassion on the multitude because they continue with me now three days and have nothing to eat. Three days. He didn't have compassion on them because it was supper time and they might be late. He had compassion because they'd been out there following him for three days. And he said, I don't want to send them away faint. Because after three days, they might. Isn't that something? (laughs) Does that make sense now? You with me? All right. Everybody? Okay. Verse 33. Then his disciples said to him, where could we get enough bread? Now it's not money. Now you can't get it. Right? This is what's cool about the kingdom of God. It doesn't matter if the issue is money or if the issue is inavailability. Isn't that cool? The first time it was just, where, where could we, this would take a lot of money. You know, we don't, you know, who in the world has the money for this? Right? Now it's, where could you get it? We're in the wilderness. That's why they're fasting. Right? (laughs) Where could we get enough bread, verse 33, in the wilderness to fill such a great multitude? Jesus said, I want you to notice, isn't it cool? Jesus is going to fill them up. Here we go. Jesus said, how many loaves do you have? Seven and a few little fish. Same thing. He stood up, broke it before God, right? And it just flowed out. You know, how do you think he knew that would work? Well, let's see. You think prophets had ever done that? You think prophets had ever taken what somebody had and broken it and it just flowed and continued to flow? It's not like it's the first time that it happened, right? I think Jesus knew there was precedent for that. When the Holy Spirit said, this is what you need to do, he said, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, of course, you know? Amen? Prosperity of Jesus. Matthew 17. Look at verse 24. Temple tax. Well, they say it's temple tax. You ready? When they come to Capernaum, those who received the temple tax, or the tax, came to Peter and said, does your teacher not pay the temple tax? Guys, they came to Capernaum. They didn't wait for them to come to the temple. They came to them to tax them. Kind of like U.S. and they're going to find you in tax. You can give you a number and come get you, right? You don't think that's interesting? They came and found them. 
So what did Peter say? Yes. And when he'd come into the house, Peter was probably going to say something to the Lord about it, but the Lord beat him to the punch. Jesus anticipated what he was going to say. He said, what do you think, Simon? Peter. From whom do the kings of the earth take customs or taxes? From their sons or from, from strangers? You ever thought about that? And Peter said to him, from strangers. And Jesus said back, then the sons are exempt or the sons are free. Right? So he made his point first, we shouldn't be taxed. <laughs> right? God's not going to tax us. Right? All right. Does that make sense? So there's no compulsive tax. That's why we don't tax you to go to church. Nobody taxes you to go to church. Most gospel meetings are free. Right? You, they offer you a chance to partner with the ministry, but nobody's taxing. They didn't do that back then. To get in, you had to pay. All right. <laughs> This is what he says, though. This is something that I can learn from. Nevertheless, lest we offend them. People, we don't tend to worry about that in the church anymore, but, you know, Jesus wanted to preserve his testimony so that he might could reach them. And he knew if he looked at them and said, don't you know anything? I don't have to pay a tax. Are you out of your mind? That's not even Christ That's not even godly. That's proven in such and such and such and such and such. A. He could have done all that. But instead, he said, lest we offend them. Because we're here to talk to them, not to turn them off, right? Lest we offend them. Go to the sea and cast a hook in. Boy, he said this. This is funny because he said it to the main most fisherman, didn't he? Peter. Peter knew how to fish now. If anybody could get a fish with, with silver in its mouth, it's Peter, right? He said, hey, go down there and cast in a hook and take the fish that comes up first. When you've opened its mouth, you'll find a piece of money. Take that and give it to them. Now, I did a little bit on this today. It's kind of interesting. They were asking them for the equivalent each of two days' wages. That's a lot of money, if you think about it. The equivalent each of two days' wages. And Jesus said, no. But, and a bunch of people said, man, that's crazy. We just won't go. You know, whatever. Jesus said, no, we don't want to offend them. Why did it not bother him? It wasn't any skin off his teeth, was it? Where's the prosperity? Where's the prosperity? The Holy Spirit knew where the money was, didn't he? He knew where the money was. Yeah. Um, I w all right, Matthew 14. Let's go back. I want to I hit this one right quick. Matthew 14, 22. Remember, we're talking about the prosperity of Jesus. Matthew 14, 22. And after they had fed the 5,000, look at 22. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he was sending the multitudes away. When he sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. This is how he got into, this is how he tapped into the prosperity of God, right? The real prosperity of the kingdom of God. But he went up on the mountain to pray. Now, when evening came, he was alone there. And the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by waves. In the fourth watch of the night, which is, you know, the latest watch of the night, after three, right? Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, of course, they were scared. Think about this with me. We always think of what a miracle it was he was walking on the sea, right? But really, if you think about it, it's a miracle, and it's part of the prosperity of the kingdom of God. 
because he had already put his guys in the boat. Now, there's probably no other boats. And if there were, can you imagine what it would have cost to wake somebody up and have him take just him across? You know? So he didn't worry about it. He just moved in the prosperity of the kingdom of God. And then he just started walking. Right? Now you notice all of these things are miraculous. You can't say, and I don't think we should say, well, this one's really miraculous. You know, this one's more miraculous. I mean, getting, getting tacks out of a fish's mouth is miraculous. The first fish. Not the 800th. You know, the 50th or what? The first fish. And no, and saying ahead of time by the Holy Spirit, the first fish that you hook, get the money out of his mouth and pay both of our tax. And it'll be enough for four days' wages. Right? I mean, it's amazing the prosperity that Jesus walked in, the favor or provision from God. And it's all supernatural, guys. None of it is of this earth. None of it is of the system of mammon. None of it. You know, and, and, I, and I want you to consider what this means because consider really what it means. We tend to say, God, multiply our money. And what we see in Jesus is God multiplying other things. He's multiplying the currency of the kingdom of God, which is signs, wonders, miracles of the Holy Spirit, blessings, supernatural provision. He's not multiplying money for the most part. And it's interesting God doesn't have any money. He has no money. God didn't make money. Man made money. God has no money. He hasn't made money. He's not going to make any money. He's not manufacturing money. He's not printing money. It'd be counterfeit if he did, I heard somebody say one time. And it's really true, isn't it? So what does God do? The fish had the money in his mouth. The Holy Spirit searches the deep things of God. The Holy Spirit knew what that fish was. You know? I've got to, Jesus needs money. You need money sometimes. You don't think the Holy Spirit knows where your connection is for the money? Of course he does. He knows where the fish is with the money, with the temple tax. Right? But God doesn't make money, and he's not going to make money for you. But he might turn money towards you. He might tell you how to go get it, right, if you need it. Now, it's interesting that Jesus really didn't need it, really didn't know it, but he did it by the Spirit not to offend them. Isn't that something? All right, consider this, Matthew 21. Matthew 21. How many of you have a car that costs, you know, a good little bit? I do. You got a car that costs a good little bit? Nobody in here? All your cars are cheap? Yeah, that's good. I guess you don't think, you don't think, you and I don't agree what a good little bit is, I guess, because I'm thinking anything over about $5,000 is a good little bit, but do you guys apparently not? Good for you. <laughs> but um, this is what it says. When they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, Jesus sent his two disciples and said, go into the village opposite you. Now he's about to come in, you know, for Palm Sunday. And immediately you'll find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose and bring to me. And if anybody says anything, this is what you're to say. The Lord has need of them. Now, a donkey or a colt is a conveyance. It's like a car. It's like a scooter. It's like a motorcycle, right? It's how you get somewhere, right? And it also fulfills prophecy in this case. And think about it. Jesus had a ministry. Jesus had money. 
Did Jesus use his money? No, because he walked in a different type of prosperity. He moved in a different type of prosperity. He moved connected to God, and God made a way for him. Isn't that something? I mean, wouldn't it have been easy? I mean, we all do it. Hey, uh, call over there, and we're, we're going to rent a. We're going to rent, you know, this, and just you know, get this done. And I, you know, it'll probably be fifty or sixty dollars, hundred, hundred fifty dollars, and you know, just do this, and right. He, that was not his first thought. It wasn't. It wasn't his first thought. It probably wasn't his second thought either. He understood prosperity from the kingdom of kingdom of God. You know. He understood he was under an open heaven. He really did. He believed it. You know, and, and it worked. You see, it worked. I mean, he believed it. He believed like the Father was looking down on him and providing from heaven. And the Father had men and women of God all over the place. You know? Think about Ananias with Paul. You know? I don't want to go lay my hands on that guy. He's been persecuting Christians, Lord. Don't you know about him? He's with me now. See, God had men of God and women of God everywhere. He has people in position, right? And so what does he say? Go to the village, find a donkey with a colt, loose them and bring them. If anybody says anything to you, this is what you say. The Lord has need of them, and immediately they will send them with you. That's the prosperity of the kingdom of God. This is the prosperity Jesus walked in. Isn't that something? All right, upper room, last supper. Matthew 26. Matthew 26. It's more poignant in Mark. Mark 14. Let's look at Mark 14 right quick. It's just one quick thing I want to point out. Mark 14. It's 14, 15. Just look at it. Now, obviously, there's a room, and he tells them to go and talk to this man because they said, We're, we need to find you and prepare a place for you to keep Passover. That's what they told Jesus. His, his disciples told him. This is what he said in verse 13. Go in the city. A man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him. Wherever he goes in, say to the master of that house, the teacher says, where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Verse 15. Then... He will show you a large upper room furnished and prepared. Prosperity of the kingdom of God. He will show you a large upper room furnished and prepared. There's where we'll make ready. Has anybody ever told you that Jesus and his guys weren't in some rinky-dink motel room packed in because they could only afford $5 a night? That the kingdom of God got him a large upper room and it was furnished and prepared and all they did was just prepare themselves and come in and recline. You can't, you got, I'm honest to goodness, you got Christians can't get their eyes off the ground. Just everything's bad, you know, God, the whole kingdom's poor and broke and we ain't got nothing. And, you know, Jesus just walking around going, okay, you're not reading it. That's what he was saying to me. You're not reading it. You're not seeing it. You think it's about money. You think it's about paying bills and rent. You don't understand. It's higher than that. It's higher than that. And the sad thing is, is that preachers a lot of times, and we've done it, we've said, well, you know, God wants you to be prosperous. He does. 
but he's really moving us to the prosperity of the king. You know, the kingdom itself is what he's trying to do. And it's really hard to move into that, by the way, because there's nothing more concerning than letting go of what we perceive is our control over the finances. There's nothing more, there's nothing more concerning than that. I worked in sales for years. I made my commission. Everybody in the company knew what I made. We all know what each other made because they put it out there because it's a competitive thing. I want to make more than this guy. He's in a territory next to mine. I don't like him. We'll make more than him. You know, period. If he makes one hundred thirty thousand a year, I'm gonna make one forty. You know, I don't care if I have to stay up all night for two more months. I'm gonna do it. You know, whatever it is, it's the way it is. The guy that makes five hundred a year, I want his stuff. That's the way it is, right? So then how do you rein it back and turn everything over to God and say, okay, you're going to provide. People have major problems here. This is, this is where the rubber meets the road. I think that's why Jesus talked about money a lot because you, you, Christians, just, we have trouble believing that he's really going to provide. But it's funny that all these examples are examples of kingdom of God provision, kingdom of heaven provision, not monetary provision for the most part. You know? All right, here's one you hadn't considered. You ready? Jesus didn't even have to pay for his burial plot. No. He had a brand new, beautiful plot that a rich man had purchased for himself and nobody ever been in. And the rich man begged to be able to place Jesus in it. You just really can't make it up. You cannot make this stuff up. Every aspect of everything that went on was done for him. And we just talked a minute ago about how he came as the man, the second Adam, to show us the pattern of how to operate as children of God, right? And, that, and, and I just proved to you that he looked at his disciples. And by the way, when he fed the 4,000, he did the same thing. He said, you feed them. Same thing. Proved that he, he wasn't trying to say, I'll do this and you guys watch because you can't do this. He's walking on the water and Peter says, can I come? He's like, yes, you can do this. Just believe. Come on. And when it's time to feed 5,000 people with loaves and fish, he goes, yeah, you guys do it. And then again with 4,000, yeah, you guys do it. Right? He's trying to, and who does he send? Guys, think about this. Think about, who does he send to see the miracles? Who does he say, go get my donkey for me? If anybody says anything, you just tell them the master needs it. <laughs> tell them the teacher needs it. Why does he send them? There are eyewitnesses to the supply, the miraculous provision over and over and over of the kingdom of God. Hey, Peter, you go down and catch that fish and then pay the tax for us, Okay. Over and over and over, they're eyewitnesses to the miraculous provisional power of God. It's really something. The first one I was going to mention, and I, don't, I lost my reference somewhere, but I, I can tell you about it because think about this. Water into wine. Yeah, water into wine. I mean, wine's expensive, <laughs> you know? Now, it's interesting that... Um, 
the pitchers were a certain pitcher that they used for ceremonial washings. It wasn't like some jugs, you know. They were the pitchers that were sitting over there for ceremonial washing. So most of the experts believe it was between somewhere like 100 and 150 gallons that they would hold. You know? That's a lot of wine. Isn't it? His mom put him on the hook for it. Now, there's a lot of people in churches that would have said, oh my gosh, all right, get out the MasterCard. We're on the hook for this stuff. How, how, can we, we need some cheap wine. And they even remarked, right, you've saved the best wine. You understand kingdom of God. Oh, if the people of God, if we could just understand and not think that God's always trying to do things the cheapest and the lowest you know, the most tight little squeezing way that he can get by because it's not what we've, we've not seen this here yet. We've not seen this here yet because how many baskets did they take up? Did they take up extra 12 full baskets, right? And every time, or seven full baskets, right? They kept taking up what we would call in abundance, in abundance, right? It wasn't that, wow, they, the last little crumb fed the last little person, I have to say that because it's true, but so many Christians I've been around all my life would, would believe that. They would be like, well, you know, God, just he just wants us to get by, you know, but clearly every time, every time. I, I thought it was funny. You'll find a cult that has never been ridden. What, what, what was that in there for? Never been ridden. I heard a guy tell me once, I'm on a truck, ain't nobody ever sat in a seat of before. It's just what God does. He gives Jesus a cult that's never been ridden. He gives him a burial plot of a rich man that nobody's ever been in. You see? Right? I mean, the provision of the kingdom of God is something special. We just, our head blocks us. Our head blocks us and our, and our, our perception of what we think it should be blocks us, right? It blocks us from God's best. Hmm. Are you literally saying you think God would do these things in our lives? Yes, I am. I know he's done some in ours, but we need to believe more. We need to believe more. We need to expand our belief. We've, we've had a lot of miraculous provisional things over the last five or six years. But I mean, not enough. <laughs> not near enough, you know. And it, It's just really interesting what he wants to do. So he turns this 100 to 150 gallons of, of wine into water. You know what he tells them? Fill them up. Fill them up with water. Can you imagine being the servant? I'm going to fill this thing up with water. And we're going to take it in there like wine. <laughs> and again, you just can't. It's just, you couldn't make this stuff up. It's the best wine. It's the best wine. Now, Jesus had money, folks. He had a budget. He could have gone probably and gotten four or five bottles. Just like you could. And if he had been thinking like we think, he probably would have put his MasterCard out there wherever he hadn't tried. He probably would have done that over and over and over and over and over, never looking to heaven, never thinking about the miraculous provision of the kingdom of God, and never taking the time to break bread and trust God for it or wait on God for the answer. Can you imagine that that might be true? Because I know there are a lot of times when we've already figured out what we're going to do and never ask God because so well, we, that's in our budget. We're good. Well, the temple tax was in his budget. The food for Passover was in his budget. I guarantee you a lot of these things were in the budget because the guy was stealing. 
<laughs> the guy was stealing the money. Why was he stealing the money? Jesus wasn't ever coming back for it, folks. He wasn't using it. He was using it to feed them. He was using it to feed the poor, perhaps. But a lot of it, he was never coming back for. He didn't touch money. He touched money that one time. It's about the only time we know of. Once he was in ministry. Isn't that interesting? Hmm. So, Matthew 6, 24 kind of tells us maybe something about this. I think it's the start of a lot of our problems. Not us in the room, but just us as a people. No one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Because of this, you know, it says therefore, but that means because of, right? So what does he say? Because of this, I'm going to tell you, don't worry about your life. Because if you worry about your life, you will serve mammon. Isn't that what he's saying? Because of this, I'm going to tell you, don't worry about your life. What's he trying to tell me here? He's trying to show me how to tap into the kingdom of God. If Jesus had once worried about any of those things, where am I going to get a burial plot? I, I, you know, I, don't, I have to make sure, I mean, I'm the Christ. I have to make sure they put me somewhere decent, right? And he had, what if he had started trying to work on the side to get that done? Or to have a place to have Passover. And he had quit preaching and gone and started looking. You know, well, let's, let's just take some time off and go look around and see where we can have Passover. <laughs> right? People do this all the time. They do it all the time. You can't serve two masters. Therefore, I'm going to tell you, because of this, I'm going to tell you, don't worry about what your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, or about your body, or what you'll put on. That's hard to do. Notice he says don't don't worry. He doesn't say don't 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 care. You know, he doesn't say don't have ideas, but he says don't worry about it, right? Don't worry about it. And he gives us this example of animals that have less intellect than us, but trust God more. <laughs> and I find it interesting. And that's probably why they trust God more, because they have less intellect than us, right? Because our intellect blocks us from trusting God. But verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather, yet your holy Father, your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Why do you worry? And then, of course, verse 633, seek first the kingdom. Right? Are you with me? Seek first the kingdom. Yeah. Now, if you will, go to verse 7, 7. Because I think this has something to do with it, and I'm just going to suggest it. 
Because all that time when Jesus would go spend time on the mountain, well, you think he was doing that much for that much time? <laughs> you know? That was a lot of time. Ask. It'll be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open. Everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. Isn't that something? And then he proves it. He says, what man among you? If his son asked him for bread, would give him a stone. Or if he asked for fish, would give him a serpent. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who's in heaven give good things to those who ask him? And of course, Luke, in that same passage, says, give the Holy Spirit. Because really, and we've been talking about this whole time, right? The provision from heaven. And how, is the heaven, how does heaven provide on earth through the Holy Spirit? Right? If you do a study of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, over and over you hear, through the Spirit, in the Spirit, by the Spirit, through the Spirit, in the Spirit, by the Spirit, through the Spirit, in the Spirit, by the Spirit. It's kind of interesting. God does all this stuff. Through the Spirit, in the Spirit, by the Spirit. Through the Spirit, in the Spirit, by the Spirit, you see. So if God gives you the Spirit, He's given you the provider. Through the Spirit, in the Spirit, by the Spirit. Right? So if we ask and seek and knock, it's like the requirement for the answer to come. Isn't it? It's kind of like his system. It's kind of like his system. I'm just suggesting that. And yes, I, I'm actually saying that I believe that if we would see things, see things as Jesus does, I believe that people can move into the level of kingdom of God provision in an almost permanent now you know what i would say is this god has it there for people it's whether or not we'll believe and you know people don't like hearing that they get mad and, and they actually leave church when you say things like that we you can't say that i mean if god has it for us he's going to give it to us simply not true i hate to say it jesus looked at people and said what you want me to help your son if you can believe i will he told a guy that. He literally told a guy. He said, if all things are possible to him who believes, if you believe, it's nothing to do with my side. People don't want to hear that. They want to believe that God's just going to do it and I don't have to do anything. I hate that. I, hey, I hate it for me. <laughs> you know, I'd much rather him just do it and I don't, I don't have to believe anything, right? When you get there, you ask him, okay? I probably will. But it's just not what we see, is it? It's just not what we see. The last thing I would say is talents. Think about talents. Parable of the talents. A lot of people, and, and it is set up that way. It does say, you know, it says that somebody went on, a master went on a trip, left his talents, you know, left all his things with people. But, and, and talents is a name for, for money, but it's not talking about money there. I mean, you know. It really, it's not talking about money at all. It's talking about the things God gives by the Holy Spirit that are gifts he gives his people. You know? Because, again, you know this. If you really think about it, you know it. Because God didn't make money. Man made money. Jesus showed us that. He said, whose picture's on this? Well, then he was telling us who made it, right? He was saying, it ain't got nothing to do with God. You give to him what's his. He said, it has nothing to do with God. It's not God's. That's mammon. 
That's the system of men. It has nothing to do with the Father. Right? So then the parable of talents is not talking about money because God, Jesus didn't leave all his money to people and go. He, he left the kingdom of heaven. He left the kingdom of God. And he left the gifts that he gave us and the grace and the faith that we have, right? And he said, go and double it. Go and double it. Go and double it. If you have one, make it two, right? Yeah, isn't that that the principle? The one that takes what he has and does nothing with, there's where the problem is. That's where the problem is. So I'm just suggesting there's a lot of reason to believe that there's supernatural provision. I hate to say supernatural. Spiritual. Because a, of, a lot of times we miss what God does spiritually looking for something supernatural. And he does spiritual things all the time. You know? He does miraculous spiritual things all the time, but we're looking for some kind of special window dressing so we can notice it, right? And he's just steadily doing those things. I want to ask you the last question for yourself. Outside of Jesus' core group, how many people th- do you think knew about these miracles we were just talking about? How many people walking in, what saw him walking in on Palm Sunday, knew that the cult had been miraculously provided? Almost none. You understand? A lot of times in church, we say, we want to go and want to see these great things and we want to do this. And I'm telling you, that's not how the Bible works. When Paul's shadow would heal somebody, maybe 30 people saw it. it. Changed their life. But it wasn't on the evening news. If it had been, the whole city would have been saved, folks. It's never been that way, not going to be that way. That's not the way it is. God is looking for those who are looking for them, for him. He's looking for the ones that are serious. You realize the multitudes, he finally sent them away and said, you're only here for the supernatural bread. Get out of here. I'm looking for people that want to know me as the living bread. Right? Yeah. So when we tap into these things, they happen all around us a lot of times. They really do. And it's almost sometimes like at church we say, well, you know, if we, if we only knew about these things, they're happening all the time. You just have to believe that what God says is true. Right? Water into wine, feeding 5,000, feeding 4,000, temple tax, walking on water, the cult for Palm Sunday, upper room for the Last Supper, burial plot, all of it, all of it, all of it. It's done in the Spirit from heaven. I don't know the value of it all. I can't tell you the value of 150 gallons of the best wine. But it starts getting up there. I can tell you the value of renting a banquet banquet room for many, many people. <laughs> Provided and set up with everything, all the accoutrements and everything ready to go. I can begin to tell you that it's God showing up. That it really is provision. That there's monetary value on it attached to it. Amen. Why do you think it is, this question, last question for me, why do you think it is that in church it's like when people have the mind of a business person or whatever, then they get to church and they put on their little seven-year-old hat like they're in Sunday school again and don't think real about God. I've never been able to, you know, 
Like, let's all go back to church now and think of Jesus as that poor guy who had nothing, who did nothing, who didn't know anything about money and did, you know, he's just the, when obviously he was able to do tremendous things. He was able to feed his guys day in and day out. I mean, do you understand? We know Peter was married. We know his mother-in-law lived with him. Peter was a fisherman. His wife obviously didn't work. Who fed them while he took off on a three-year sabbatical with Christ? What does the law say? The law say he should have been getting paid. What does the law say? The workman's worth his wages. Who did he work for? Christ. Who was paying him? Don't be stupid. Who was paying him? But everybody comes to church, they sit down, they put on their three-year-old hat. Oh, God just did everything. Everything's miraculous. You know, no, they had money. People gave into the ministry. You know, it's, but people, they just, they just go dumb and go like, oh, I don't know. No, it's obvious, isn't it? It's obvious. You ever thought about that? That's what happens. There's a lot to learn, and there's a lot of things he has for us, I believe. I believe. Lord, we just praise you. I just thank you so much. Father God, I just pray.